Hello. Right, here we go. The US series. I know. That is so ridiculous to say. Uh, Thank you so much for downloading this week's Passion Pods. Lovely to have your ears with us. So if you haven't listened to many Passion Pods, we're normally based in London, but for the last couple of weeks, we've been away in San Francisco, no less home of the startup and creative, although I beg to argue that London's fighting fit in that form as well, Um, and had the chance to chat to some businesses and startups over there, which was absolutely brilliant, Um, and now are able to start sharing them with you. We've got a month of them. Passion Pods October is dedicated to the startups of San Francisco, and it gives me a lot of joy to say that. So I had quite possibly one of the best holidays ever in San Francisco. Uh, Slightly fell in love with that city, not going to lie. It's amazing if you've been there or you live there, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, So magical place. And we had lots of success as well. I was quite surprised at the variation of businesses that we've managed to chat to uh, for very different businesses. And I'm not going to tell you too much about them, actually. As always with Passion Boss, you can find them out um, as we go along. But yeah, all really, really different. And lots of similarities and lots of differences because of them being based in the US as well which was really interesting. Um, But enough about me telling you why it's interesting. You need to get your ears on it yourselves. So first up is Zach from Thanks, number 64, Jetlag was my middle name in this interview. <laughs> you might be able to tell the voice is slightly more croaky than usual, which is uh, saying something. Um, Thanks is a marketing tool for businesses to help them kind of target their consumers and customers much more specifically and thus engage with them in a much more direct and efficient way. So yeah, providing something that um, a lot of businesses are desperate for. So really, really exciting to chat to Zach. Some real honesty as well in here about the challenges of running your own business as well, which was brilliant. So, Zach. You're listening to Passion Pod 64 with Zach from Thanks. So if I was an alien, which I slightly feel like I am today, (laughs) and landed on another planet, how would you like to explain what Thanks is to me as the alien? How would you do it? As long as your planet has businesses that are selling things to consumers, you'll understand what what Thanks does. Bang. Uh, What we do is try to help those businesses figure out who their best customers are and build deeper relationships with those customers. And so it's all about customer retention and ultimately the power there is because for businesses it's far more cost effective to retain an existing customer than acquire a new one. The problem is that requires knowing who those customers are and data about them and that's very difficult. Uh, Traditional loyalty programs are, uh, they work, but they are painful for merchants with high upfront investment, high integration, uh, and they're actually painful for consumers too. You have to remember your card every time, or you have to type in your phone number. You have to do something that is jumping through hoops when you pay. And so the result is most merchants are kind of flying blind on who their best customers are, and that's not good for their business. Thanks has made that experience easier. What, how, I mean, it's so slick. It's like you got it all sold. How on earth do you come up with developing something like this? What's your background? Is it in tech? Is it in marketing? What, tell us a bit about you. Yeah, uh, I was a consultant back in the day at a firm called Bain & Company. Somehow I stumbled into building loyalty and retention programs for big tech companies, big retailers. We did the same thing over and over again. Grab their data, analyze it, tell them what to do with it at considerable cost. Uh, And so when I was at business school at Stanford, I was just thinking about what can we do to package up all those tools and make it much cheaper and easier for a business. Uh, And the key switch for thanks is that instead of, as a consumer, 
doing something new at checkout, thanks is tied to any credit or debit card. So the consumer pays as usual just by swiping their card, uh, and that transaction data can be used to give them rewards in real time. Uh, we grab that data and give it to the merchants and allow them to figure out who these customers are. So you, have, when you were doing all the stuff that you were doing, you saw a real gap that there wasn't someone doing that efficiently. Is that how sort of the idea came about then? Yeah, there were probably two problems. Uh, one, a lot of attention was being placed on customer acquisition. So this is the immediate post-Groupon era where every merchant is exploring new ways to acquire customers. But many of those were bad customers. You were bringing in one-time customers, or I often call them promiscuous customers. Uh, they're never going to be loyal. Uh, and so that's not really the right thing for the business. What you'd rather do is focus on your existing customers. Uh, when a business wanted to do that, they'd have to go build a point-of-sale integrated program at considerable cost. And, and to be honest, most merchants are not data analytics experts. So even if they built that program, they wouldn't know what to do with it. Uh, we wanted to make it easy, uh, and so we have no integration, no new hardware, and we do all the analysis and marketing tools for them. God, it sounds so great. It's like it sort of it ticks every box. But how, how, so for you, like what have you found has been the challenge of something that's, I mean, forgive me because I don't know this market at all. Is there a lot of people doing something similar to what you're doing? Not really. Uh, and so you're highlighting probably the biggest challenge already, which is uh, we have to tell people that this even is possible. The businesses that we're selling to have a need. We're aware of that. They don't even know that this is an option though. They, they envision a rewards program or a loyalty program as something that has a high expense and a high difficulty or barrier to entry. And so, because of tradition. I mean, exactly. That's, yeah, exactly. So we can't call up a merchant that we've never heard before and Hi. say, we're going to offer you a loyalty program uh, because their response tends to be, oh, we don't want that. Uh, we have to re-educate. And not having a brand and not knowing this technology exists means we have to we have to be much more creative in how we go to market. Yeah, which is kind of exciting, I guess, but it yep. is really difficult because it's not something that, you know, as sheep, we all want the things that we can box, yep. don't we? It's like, I want to box that into that. What are you offering me? So it's like developing a term almost for what you're doing exactly. and stuff like that. It's like a whole movement in a funny kind of way. Yep. But then that must be a kind of advantage in on the other hand as well because it is something different as long as you can get in there. We do come across these businesses that... They eventually, when they have that aha moment, they say, I didn't even know this was possible. This is precisely my problem. Uh, I mean, we give an example often of a single business with lots of locations might have different hardware across each of the locations because they grew organically and they didn't choose their hardware all at the same time. So now building a program that integrates with different hardware in different locations is a complete nightmare. They thought they never had an option. They thought they were completely out of luck. And when we come along, we often kind of create this aha moment for them that's really powerful. Oh, it must feel amazing though. I mean, yeah. it's making me feel excited just hearing about it. Like, it must be such an amazing thing to it's feel like. It's a good like, feeling. Yeah, it's an actual genuine solution to stuff. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so challenges. So that obviously is a challenge. But what other things for you have you found challenging? Obviously founding this. It was in 2011, wasn't yeah, it? Exactly. So you've been running it for a fair few years. Yep. Talk me through this it's a personal process for you. Yeah, I'll give you an interesting story. Love uh, those, doll. That'd be great. Okay, great. <laughs> so I had this idea and I have no technical skills with which to build it. So uh, I'm in Silicon Valley, right? I just finished business school at Stanford. There's hundreds of amazing, thousands, tens of thousands, great engineers. None of them wanted to work for me. Uh, it turns out it's really easy to get a job in San Francisco as an engineer. Uh, and so why would you go work for a fledgling idea and build it from scratch? 
That's the whole idea I thought of San Francisco. That's why I've come here. Come That's on. Right. <laughs> Ruining the and illusion. So I, I ultimately recruited someone from my school, which is on the East Coast, Dartmouth. Um, and he was fresh out of school. And he was our employee number one. Uh, and Darren has built every element of our product now. And he and I were able to really, I handled all of the formation of the company. And he just executed on the vision. Uh, and with that product, I was able to recruit our head of product, who is much more experienced in startups. With him, I was able to raise our first round of funding, and that allowed us to go bring more people on, and it's the ball just kind of kept rolling. Um, each step, though, was absolutely fundamental to the next one happening. There's no way Aaron, who's our head of product, would have joined without Darren having built a prototype that Aaron could see and understand what he could do with. Uh, and there's no way we would have raised our funding without having the credentials that Aaron has and the ability to, to evolve that product. And so. Each of those steps, I think, in many ways is, is lucky, but it all worked out appropriately. But also each step has its own challenge and each step is its own little thing. It's almost like you've had 10 mini businesses in itself, I imagine, throughout that process. Yeah. Um, I'm interested though as well, was it Darren you said, the yes. first guy? Did that make a big difference for you, for having you know, found someone that sort of believed and invested in in your idea if you had that trouble at the beginning trying to find someone to work with uh well what was interesting is there was a lot of validation of of the business i was working on there were a lot of merchants or partners that said yeah, this in. is a business yeah but finding someone to build it was not that was not my network at the time I didn't have a network of engineers. I didn't have people to go to. That's a really key thing is the network that you're sitting in. Yeah, and tapping it, it into. It does matter a lot, particularly because a business like this is so multifunctional. We, we ended up getting lucky with great leaders in each of our functions, from engineering to design to marketing uh, to sales. But finding those people is hard, which I think goes to probably the theme of everything that comes with starting a company is around people. To me, the two biggest areas where I spend my time are attracting the best talent and then uh, building a culture that retains the best talent and then making sure that we have built careers for those people, which is a big part of retention. Yeah, and that's very interesting, I think, in the sort of startup or more entrepreneurial world, I definitely back at home. It's that thing of like, how do I make this something that yeah, is a career? It's not often a word you hear associated. Yep. It's really lovely to hear that, I think. I don't know, the people, the conversations I have back home, I don't think we're quite there yet. It's very much seen as something that's like, oh, you know, they're doing their own thing, startup, yeah. it's sort of brushed aside, but actually seeing it as a career. And that's quite a challenge. Do, do you find that quite a challenge? Yeah. I mean, I, I talk about my job falls into really three buckets. One, set the strategic direction for the company. So what are we trying to accomplish? What is the vision? And make sure everyone's on the same page. Two, attract and retain the absolute best talent. And part of that is establishing things as a workplace where someone can build a career. It's not a stepping stone. It's not a place that you just stop or, or work for a short time while it's a cute little startup. This is a place where we're gonna grow your career and so we're gonna invest in our people. Um, and three is making sure we don't run out of money. Uh, and so- <laughs> Kind of key. Th those are the three categories. Um, and at the end of the day, if I can do those three things, I think we'll be successful. Yeah, well, because also, I mean, if you th break it down, those are the, I mean, I'm not a business person, but they make sense, yep. right? <laughs> um, so talking about funding, that's interesting. Were you, did you get investment, if you don't mind me asking, at the beginning? How did you get stuff like starting out a business is notoriously difficult because you're yeah. not paying yourself a wage. Right. So how did that come about for thanks? 
Uh, we raised two rounds of funding. The first was a seed round before we launched our product. Uh, the second was a more traditional Series A. Uh, Series A, tell me, talk to me about that. Yeah. So, well, I'll talk about both, actually. The seed round, we were building a pretty complex technology. And so we needed people in the company before we could actually launch and start charging people for it. A lot up front. Exactly. Yeah. And so we found some really thoughtful investors who saw the vision, believed in me and our team, and effectively contributed money to that. So they invest in the company for an ownership stake, and they were they were really buying the future. The riskiest point, but the most exciting in my head. Absolutely yeah. risky. But, uh, you know, they spread their small bets around, and they're looking for, for big ones, and many never raise another dollar, and many are not successful, and some go on to be very, very large. And so that firm, uh, Softech VC, was the biggest investor in that, uh, and they focus on investments at this stage, at this kind of seed stage. Um, so that's just, nice as well, because you sort of know who you're dealing with, and they know they know what they're getting in, in a sense. They have a lot of expertise with companies at that stage, and I think that's really, really powerful. Yeah, I bet. Um, and then the next round of funding was after we had a product, and we'd seen some early success, and we knew the product was working. Um, and so that's the Series A, which is more about how do we structure a company now. We went from being kind of a little product, to now we're building a company, and we need to have you know, a go-to-market strategy and a sales and marketing team and all of the elements of how do we expand the product. And so we're fortunate to have Sequoia Capital as our investor. Uh, and they're a prominent VC that has done this with probably most of the successful companies in Silicon Valley. Well, that bodes uh, well, darling, doesn't it? And so again, <laughs> uh, they have a lot of experience at this stage, which is how do we turn a great product into a great company? Um, and that helps us a lot. Uh, and so we have a great working relationship there. And so... Uh, we've been fortunate to get the right people in supporting the company at each stage uh, because we don't have that expertise. We're learning on the fly. And so uh, they can actually support right when we need it. Um, and they don't do it in a heavy-handed way. They do it in more of a let us know how we can be useful way. And I think for me, what that means is as long as I'm self-aware and I know where we're coming up against hurdles and where we do need support and we reach out and ask for it, um, I'm never concerned that we will struggle to get it. It's really interesting. I've never sort of thought of it like that. It's your business is very, yeah, the stage thing comes out a lot, doesn't it? And yep. that how applicable that funding is to that. Yep. It's really cool. Yep. Um, so, good bits. What are the th what's the stuff that you love about setting up your company? What's been the really exciting stuff for you? Uh, there are a lot of good bits. I would say that the thing that's interesting about starting a company is, is its highs and lows. Uh, there's always great stuff going on and terrible stuff going on. All at the same uh, time. <laughs> and they often happen at the same time. Last Friday, it was the 11th day of the month. We uh, already are having our best month ever. Uh, this is a so, great month to be here. Fantastic. And then our office got broken into and five computers got stolen. Oh, uh, God, I did actually wonder what was going on with the door as I walked exactly. in. Exactly. <laughs> so... Uh, Oh. It's just, this is, this is the life that I've grown to encounter. Um, the real highs ultimately are, just like the challenges, are, are people things. We have an exceptional team that I'm very proud of, and we've reached a scale where I'm not aware of everything going on across the company. How do you find that? Uh, it, was, it was intimidating at first. Uh, I've grown to actually really like it. It makes for some of the the highest highs when I learn of something that has been a fully executed plan that someone made in their world within thanks 
and they found success and they're excited to report back what happened. Um, and I wasn't involved at all in the planning or the execution of it. I just get this report on the results. Um, they feel very fulfilled by that. I feel like we've hired appropriately. We have a great team and that matters a lot. Um, I guess the more that happens as well, the easier it is to, to move into that sort of way exactly. of managing things. And so that ties to kind of one of our core uh, cultural elements, which we set up purposefully, which is we have a culture of expressing appreciation. We call it saying thanks uh, in order to be super corny. But in bunch, um, you exactly. got to come on. So every team meeting, uh, which we do weekly, every employee says thanks to someone else at the company for something. Oh, love it. And... The most special moments for me here are when someone really invests in a heartfelt thanks, often about something that a person did that wasn't publicly known, and acknowledges them in front of their coworkers. I'd quite like life to be like that, Zach. Yeah. I'd quite like that to be my life generally. Yeah. Just have that every day. Exactly. Just touch in with my friends. Can we just do a round of thanks, please? So I, I get made fun of because while that's happening, I kind of stand there smiling quite often uh, it makes me very happy but it's interesting about culture because I had this cheesy idea when we were five people that we were going to spend 15 minutes at the end of every team meeting saying thanks and everyone giggled we did it for months and months and every time people giggled and we said I'd like to say thanks to Zach I mean, for seriously. it sounds super corny and so it was we just stuck through it though I made it important that this was something I wanted to do by the time we were 10, 15 employees, there, I reached this interesting inflection point where I was observing new employees coming in. And in their first week, they took thanks very seriously. They gave very heartfelt thanks to someone. And I looked around and realized there was no more giggling. Uh, it had become part of our culture. Uh, and it was no longer, oh, this is kind of cheesy. It was, this matters because this is who we are. And so new people coming in picked up on that vibe and took it very seriously. That's so cool, though, to see that change yeah. and that sticking with something. Mm -hmm. It just makes me think as well, you know, how British people are so awful at things like that. <laughs> the idea of that in some of the places I've worked is yeah. a brilliant image in my head. Maybe just need to stick to the guns. <laughs> um, Zach, tell me what advice. What advice do you wish you'd been given when you started off this? Is there anything that you wish you'd been told? I have been told over and over again before starting a company that, it's it's a it's a roller coaster, um, and so going back to this point, it's hard to fathom how much it really is. There are constantly business challenges that are both great successes and stuff that goes wrong, um, whether they are lawsuits or whether they are uh, sales strategies or customers that are joining or or leaving. Um, there are personnel issues constantly, um, whether that's a candidate that we wanted to recruit and didn't quite get them, uh, or someone who uh, needed to leave for one reason or another. Um, and none of these are easy. Everyone is nuanced and has its own set of challenges, and they're emotionally challenging. Uh, they're exhausting, they take a lot of energy. Um, Especially when it's your baby. You know. Absolutely. The key to me in that roller coaster is uh, I'm really passionate about what we're doing. And I fundamentally believe that we're building something that has to exist, that's inevitable. I think this technology is inevitable. Whether it's us and we do a good job, I don't know, but something has to exist here. It's that passion that gets me through the roller coaster, and I don't know why you would start a company unless you can actually get really passionate about it.
the ups and downs could break a lot of people. But if you have this kind of irrational passion, it, it, it's, it's just part of the game. You've been listening to Passion Pod 64 with Zach from Fang. Told you that was good advice. I told you. Thank you so much to Zach for sparing his time when I was over in San Fran. Really, really appreciated it. Really great to hear about the story behind thanks. I really am quite jealous of their weekly thanks thing. Should we start some sort of podcast version? I'll leave a gap and then we could all say our various thanks. It's not quite the same if you're not face to face though, is it? Let's be honest. Uh, So next week, our San Francisco series continues with a community organiser called Adam. Really brilliant story. I met Adam doing a bike tour. He was running it and he talked about the city in such a passionate way. I I just had this inkling that there was more to, there was more about him than bike tours. Uh, So I accosted him, poor sod. And uh, I am chatting to him next week on Passion Pods all about his work as a community organiser in San Francisco. Uh, It's really, really exciting one. I I just can't wait to share it with you. Uh, So make sure you're listening. If you haven't subscribed to us already, get on iTunes, type in Passion Pods and find us. you can subscribe to us so that every week you get our brand new one in your inbox oh and also newsletter newsletter time we do only do it once a month and it sums up everything we've been up to in the month it's a good way to get one hit of all things passion pods if you fancy doing that head to passionpods.co.uk and we'll see you next week with adam